0: at springfield music we started using merchant cost consulting earlier this year these guys are former banking and credit card reps who go and negotiate your processing rates on your behalf now like most of you we're pretty aggressive about shopping our processing rate around so i wasn't sure they'd be able to save us much money but boy was i wrong on average they're saving us about 600 bucks a month the deal is we split it 50 50 with them for so many months and after that all the savings are ours to keep Plus, they keep an eye on your fees during this time to make sure those freaking credit card processors don't find a way to jack up your rate again. They're good folks, and they do what they say they do. Actually, in our case, they underpromised and over-delivered. They estimated about 500 bucks a month in savings, and it's been closer to 600 When you contact Patrick at Merchant Cost Consulting, tell him that Donovan Bankhead sent you. This does two things. One, they will pay me a slight referral commission. But more importantly, two you'll get 10% off of your first month's bill if you choose to go with them after their free analysis. Listen, I wouldn't recommend it to you if it wasn't worth it. It'll only take a few minutes of your time. They handle the rest. Contact Patrick McClellan. His email is Patrick at MerchantCostConsulting.com P-A-T-R-I-C-K at MerchantCostConsulting.com I'll even give you a cell phone number 508-733-7622 And remember... Tell them that Donovan sent you. Hello and welcome to the Music Retailers Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Bankhead, and together you and I are going to listen to and learn from some of my favorite instrumental music retailers, manufacturers, well, anyone else that I think would be interesting. My goal is to provide a podcast where you can learn something new in every episode. My guest today is Tim Pratt from Deets Music, and Tim is one of my favorite people in our industry. He is super genuine and nice and full of energy. He's very encouraging and thoughtful. Uh, He's been a, a, a friend to me over the years, and I just love the way that he approaches his business and the things that he does at Dietz Music in Nebraska. So let's jump in and take a listen. Kind of give me the background on Dietz Music and who started it, when, who, and how you got involved. Kind of give me that whole story. Okay.
1: So um, ironically, Dietz Music was started because of technology, which is, uh, is a very interesting story. Um, August Dietz was a string bass player and a composer and uh, did all kinds of Of different things as a musician but but toward uh, around 1920s before 1925 his job was to set up the uh, uh, the the bands you know and and um, you know orchestra in for uh, silent movies so they would always have the small group that came in and played for the silent movie for everybody so they could enjoy the movie and everything was done live Um, and then talkies came out and that crushed his career. So literally <laughs> literally in, in 1925 which we just found out so for I don't know ever since I've been here we've been saying Deet's Music since 1927 um, and I was laughing with one of my former partners and I said we, we had one job and we didn't get it right. I have the minutes that say <laughs> it, was, it was started in 1925. I said how did you guys not find this out? And everybody laughed. You know, they're like, I, I saw 1927 somewhere and that's what we went with. But it was actually 1925.
0: Um, I and- know what that's like when we, we have a, our, our brand Ernie Williamson Music, which is based in Joplin, uh, was started in the 30s. And we had heard it was 37. And when we built the new building. We built a brand new, super expensive sign And it says, you know, (laughs) since 1937. And then we found out later after the sign was built that it's, they came to Joplin in 1937, but the business started in 1935. We're like, oh, we'll change that out. How much is that? It's like, it's $5,000. We're like, we're going to leave it in there. (laughs) 37
1: it is. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. So, we actually have shirts coming out this year. We're doing a promo. Of course, the pandemic has kind of put a hold on a lot of the promos, but- you know we we have a, a whole thing coming out about how we've been lying about our age to make us look younger so it's gonna be kind of, <laughs> kind of a fun a fun promo but so he started <laughs> he started in and the that. shirts you know it, it, all the shirts have always said since 1927 and it's gonna say that with 1927 crossed out 1925 on the side of it so um just just to have a little fun with it um yeah but you know they they uh they started out as you know he uh he he basically just went out and got some lines of instruments and, and it, it kind of grew. Um, he did a good job with that. He had enough connections that did a lot of repair. So the store took off and, and, uh, did quite well, you know, And in, and they were in this building that was exactly one block from where it was when I, when I grew up knowing, knowing what it was, it was in an old downtown district, um, in Lincoln. And, um, you know, really, uh, a, a neat, a neat old building, and and um, uh, you know we were there from 1940. He moved in there. I remember the sign, or we we found some of the old promo, and it, and it said on there in, in huge uh, all cap letters, air conditioned building. So that tells you it was a long. That was a big deal to have air
0: conditioning. It was. It was. Yeah.
1: So he started it, and then uh, you know they had a series of partners along the way. It was August and his wife, and. You know, reading back through a lot of the old uh, uh, company minutes is is very interesting to see. You know, our town, uh, the town of Lincoln, at the time, and um, you know what what was going on, and and the people that filtered in as partners, um, and then and then I came in in 1991. I was working at a a retail store and uh, that had nothing to do with music, and I was also moonlighting at at a friend uh, Tom Schmidt's store. Tom, Tom has become a good friend, and I would work part-time there, and, and the past president, Adits, would walk by and see me working, and, you know, he kept trying to get me to come work for him, but they couldn't put anything together. Well, they ended up, you know, opening this little tiny store. It was uh, 1,200 square feet. It was huge, um, <laughs> and uh, so that's, I was I was the store manager of that store, and that's how I got involved. I was a local musician, singer-songwriter, um, you know, had a, had a couple of uh, CDs out, and and, um, so, you know, loved guitar, loved everything about it. And, and, uh, we just ended up putting that deal together. And, uh, from, from then on, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been quite the journey.
0: Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. So from 91 through today, I mean, that's, you've had quite a few changes in deets and deeds <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, everything else you've had a partner. And then I think you're the sole proprietor at this point, right? Is that correct? When I, Tell me how all that worked out, catch me up in I the st- last 30 years.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, when I, <laughs> it'll just take a second. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when I started, um, um, we had, there were two partners, uh, president of the company, vice president of the company, and then my second year in, uh, there was a guy who ran the band instrument department down, downtown, um, who you know, Ted Eshelman, um, mm-hmm. and my second year in, they told me Ted was going to be uh, a partner, Um, so he elevated to partner at that point. Um, and that would have been 92. I think, um, I went to my first Nam show in winter of 93. Um, and then as they say, the first one's a gift after that, they're all work. Um, and I told my young guys this last year that had never been with me. I said, this is what you're going to see next year. I feel sorry for you. Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, um, so, uh, during that time period, um, Ted had seen something in me that that he knew that I probably wasn't going to last at Dietz. I was pretty opinionated and I wouldn't, you know, I don't like to think I was arrogant. I just wanted to see stuff get done. And we were way behind the curve in retail, way behind the curve from what I was used to um, in the department store business. And so we made some changes. Well, they had the idea that they wanted to buy a little store in Omaha. And it was huge. It was 1,700 square feet. So it was a big, big jump up from your 1,200. I mean, it's getting 500 extra square feet here. And so the past uh, vice president of the company, Keith Heckman, um, who retired a while back, um, they him and Ted got together and pretty much gave me the ultimatum in 1994 at the NAMM show that I was going to go to Omaha whether I wanted to or not. And Ted was very blunt and said, you know, hey, if, if you don't go, there's probably, you know, I, I fear for your future in this company. I don't know what you're going to do. And um, and and he was right. So went to Omaha. We built the store. It took five days. Everyone left. Ted would come up and work on Mondays, but everyone left. And and they they were like, okay, there you go. There's your new market. You know, a market that's way bigger than what we're used to in Lincoln.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, we had uh, the guy who used to own the store. Um, and uh, um, he would come in every day, which was a, a total blessing for me because there was stuff I just didn't know. And uh, so we made some friends with some educators and a lot of the Omaha musicians came. I mean, we literally had, um, I don't want to throw any brands under the bus on this, so you can edit this out if you need to, but I had matchless amplifiers and Washburn electric guitars. What a match. Hey, here's your $300 guitar. Would you like a $5,000 amp to go with it? Because that's what, that's all I can get. Yeah. All all of the other stores had all of the lines tied up. So we had that in Martin Acoustics. So, I literally would have 35 Martins on the wall in this little store because that was what brought some of the players in and I got to know them and got to be friends with them and, and that thing just blew up on us. I mean, um, it, grew, it grew 40% a year for multiple years in a row. Um, so, that same store wow. that started at 1,700 square feet is the one I'm at today, 13,500 square feet now.
0: Oh my gosh
1: yeah yeah it was it's really been it's really been quite the ride like i said so um and and along the lines you know the past president of the company uh, we had we had some trouble we'll talk about that i know you got a question on here that talks about that a little bit later but i'll talk about you know how my transition from uh going to a meeting as as the company treasurer and coming out as the president of the company and and just shaking my head and calling my wife and going uh, uh she was like how was the meeting i'm like not sure but I, I think i'm the captain of the titanic now
0: <laughs> so uh let's back up a minute so uh when you came out in the 90s uh how many locations did they have one they had one they location had, in the '90s, and, and but yet yeah, they we had open
1: the second yeah i opened the second one for them um
0: in, in and, 91. and it was a 1200 square foot store right and yet, the, the downtown store
1: was big though you know, we still had that old location and that was three floors in a downtown store with an elevator
0: and all of that. Oh, so that gotcha. Okay. So, I was actually starting the second location. So, gotcha. Okay. So, all right. Because what you're describing all this, and I'm picturing this small store and I'm like, how does this small store have all this corporate structure? Like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me. There's a president, <laughs> vice president, treasurer. Like in 1,200 square feet. Like no, it was, just, it was just. You me. only need three people. Okay. No, that it was just. And, okay. and I always tell my
1: young guys now. And, and you know, we have two stores that are way bigger than that. But they're my two smaller stores. They're six thousand square feet apiece. And I always tell those guys, you know, in, in that original store, it was me. There was nobody else. We had one part time guy that would come in a couple of days a week. But otherwise, that's the store where. You know, if you have to go to the bathroom, you got to put a sign on the door <laughs> tell people yeah. and they come in. So, yeah. yeah, no, the other store was, you know, uh, multiple level. Everybody had their department. Everybody had a floor they hung out on so they didn't have to talk gotcha.
0: to each other. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, how did that transition then go from trans- from treasurer to, to president? And like, A, why, hey, why do you think they made that choice to, to do that? And then what were some of the changes that you made? Once well, you were the captain of the Titanic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason that 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 happened was uh, um, and this is this is a question that you have later that that talks about something you went through that that you came out of way better. Um, and, and this we'll is do
0: it now. This yeah, is perfect okay. timing.
1: We'll do it. All right. So what happened was, um, you know, we had we had maybe we didn't have the best business plan. Let's just leave it at that. And and we weren't really, we were kind of paying attention to what was going on. But as the treasurer, I didn't, at that time, I was just starting to to get the financials and look at them. I still didn't quite understand, you know, our borrowing base and what we were doing. And, and um, so, um, all of a sudden in 2005, we were, or 2006, excuse me, we were told that the bank was no longer going to give us any money. Um, our line of credit was no longer, it was used up. It was past used up. We were not a viable business. Our rental accounting program was a mess. Um, And so, yeah, we literally had no line of credit uh, for five or six months. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out what was going to happen if the thing crashed. Um, Right. And, and so we had to write a new business plan and we had to shop it. um, And, um, shopping the business plan was tough because all the banks said, if you, this is in June, they all said, if you can make it to January, then we'll do it. You know, and according to my, my, I have a, a captive uh, accountant that that has been part of this corporation for 40 years. And he, uh, he told me later on that, you know, he felt like we were 30 days away from just locking everything up. Um, you know, this, this, this iconic Lincoln legend was just about bankrupt and, so we wrote the new business plan. We've got a financial partner to, after the five banks said no, uh, the sixth one said, you know, they had somebody who worked at a music store when he was young, when he was going to accounting school. And he said, you know what, we'll, we'll do this. We think you guys can write the ship. And at that point, it was 2000, 2006. We went all the way to 2007. I think we got everything in place. We went through till 2007. And and there's just a lot of tension at the corporate level. Um, and, you know, f- felt like, you know, titles weren't exactly what they should be. Um, you know, who was who was doing what? And and so we went into a meeting and we had, you know, three of the four of us had talked and, and we had to have one of those uncomfortable meetings and say, you know, at this point, um, we really feel like, you know, things need to change. And so they did. Um, at that time, I wasn't sure that, you know, that it was going to be me coming out of it. The vice president of the company was in an, he was a little bit older guy at, and uh, you know, he was, he was he's always been like a, a an older brother to me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, everything that I've ever done with him, he's always treated me like I was his kid brother. We just had lunch a couple of weeks ago. We still get along great. I still get along, have, have absolutely the best relationship with two of the three guys that that are gone now. Um, but. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, so he, he wanted me to be, you know, uh, have more control and do more stuff. And, and so they, they basically said, you're, you're now the president of the company. So coming out of that, I didn't even know what, I didn't even know what to do. Like, okay, you're the president of the company. What does that mean? You know, do I do what, do I do what the past president did? No, they were hoping for more. And, and, And so at that time we went, um, you know, the next week I invited the guy who is, is now become so important to me and that's the CPA that I was talking about that, that is our, our captive accountant. And uh, I said, let's go to lunch. So, we were still in downtown Lincoln. We went down to this little subway and we had lunch and, and this is typical of him. He, you know, we're eating lunch. We're just talking about personal stuff. We knew each other okay at the time. And he whips out this, this yellow legal pad all folded up, piece of paper. And he sets it down and it's got like 15 questions on it. And he looks at me and he says, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? Have you been thinking about this? And, and I tried my best to answer all the questions and, and we got done. And I looked at him and I said, uh, was that a job interview? Cause I already have the title. <laughs> 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 and he looked at me and he said, I think you're going to do okay. <laughs> yeah, right, so right. yeah, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, You know, since then it was, you know, learning, learning the same things that you've had to learn, you know, how, how, how do I run a company Yeah, and how do I interact with employees? Where do I draw boundaries? Um, you know, and, and all of those types of things, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey.
0: (laughs) So how many employees were in the company at the time that you became president?
1: Boy, at that time we probably had in the forties, you know, maybe, um, Around forty-four, um, something like that.
0: <laughs> and do you guys? Do you all uh, teach lessons at, at your stores?
1: Yeah. Now those those teachers are independent contractors.
0: Gotcha. So okay. yeah,
1: that's the way we're set up to do that right now. And and uh, so that'd be forty-four regular employees, counting repair staff and everything else. And we do we're fifty-three now. So you know, in, in the same in the same line of employees.
0: Yeah. That is challenging too, once you're like kind of the head of the ship to figure out what your style is going to be. And then, you know, what, you know, I think for, at least for me, I figured out my boundaries and everything else through overstepping them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. you kind of do like, Oh, that was too far. And uh, oh, this isn't far enough. And, you know, I'm. Yeah. some people are smart enough where they sit through and calculate it and whatever. And I'm not, wow. I'm kind of, going by feel and the seat of my pants me too. Here, so me too yeah 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 that, that can create some uh, some unique memories but also some harsh times too, you know? <laughs> it,
1: it so. really does yeah you get to know somebody a little too well or you get to be too buddy buddy and then you know, yeah that, that person takes advantage and you know and but I, I still would not trade the fact and and I told one partner this years ago I'm a people person and you're not going to change me um, you know, I, I'm here for the staff. I'm here for the employees and, and I want to get to know everybody in the company so that, you know, I recognize them and, and I know a little bit about them. So, I visit all four stores every week. Um, well, some of my stores would say, he didn't come here last week. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a nice problem because they actually want to see me, you know. It's not like they, when I come in there, most of the employees aren't running for cover or anything like that. They're actually you know, they want to see, they want to have conversation. We talk about the business. We talk about their personal lives. And, and I feel like, you know, if you're going to lead somebody, you got to know who they are
0: and and how to Mm -hmm. motivate. Your stores, how far apart from, from each other are they?
1: So we have, um, we have uh, two in Lincoln and they're probably 15 minutes apart, 10 minutes apart. Something like that. We have um, two sects of sects of town that we cover: a south section and a kind of a northeast section um, of of Lincoln. And there's Lincoln is tough to get around. There's like no loop, no arterial. Um, so if you if you're going across town at any given time during traffic time, it can it can be rough to get across town. Um, so we 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 basically try to cover two different. And, and, you know, each of my stores, I like to have them be a little bit different identity and take on a little bit different personality if they can. I want it to, to be like the employees. And then, and then in the Metro in Omaha, much bigger, you know, um, and we're, we're 15 minutes away, and that's going on the, on the Beltway, um, we're 15 minutes away. Um, and, and so we actually have um, a store in Omaha, and then we have a store in a suburb, uh, Bellevue, Nebraska. Um, Bellevue is the third largest city in Nebraska, except on football Saturday and then Memorial Stadium is the third largest. Right. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's an Air Force community and, and they have, we've been there since 2003. I opened that store. That was an organic startup, um, which is always a lot harder than, you know, than buying something that's already already there. But, uh, that store, we just expanded it November, 2019, that store's on a, on a, on a growth pattern of, of 50% right now. It, it is really That's doing awesome. well. We have great people down there. It's a great community and, and, uh, yeah, really, really have had
0: fun down there in the last year. So it's interesting having two locations in the same town and Lincoln's not, uh, like a, I mean, it's a city, uh. I think that I was kind of looking it up. looks like the, the Metro populations under 300,000 and, but having two specialty stores in the same markets, a bit of a unique approach, I think. Tell me why you chose to do that.
1: (laughs) Well, originally it's because they wanted to do two stores. So they were downtown and they wanted to do a store in South Lincoln. Um, So that's where we set up shop originally. And then, and then when, it, when I decided that the downtown market didn't really suit us and I decided that quite a while before we actually did it um, and everybody was on board with it, but the, the, you know, the traffic was just going down and down and down and, and you could make it a cool destination for a couple of million dollars. You could really make it someplace where people would really go out of their way to come to, you know, but right. in that situation, we're a multifaceted store. So that meant we could either make it like a really, really super high end, cool guitar shop or just go on and do what we need to do and we had those conversations Um, and and, uh, so we decided to take our little satellite store which had grown up to about 3500 square feet from the original 1200 and I found a nice location in an old hardware store so in 2009 we opened that up and that moved all of those people from that South Lincoln store to there along with a couple of people from the old downtown store but I still had all these employees and what am I gonna do with these employees? We had a piano operation that wouldn't fit in that in that new South Lincoln store, so we ended up moving out. We, um, my partner Keith, bought that building and sold it just so we could get out of the lease. So he bought it, and we were going. He was going to be our landlord, and he sold it almost immediately, which was wonderful. And mm-hmm. uh, he made a couple of dollars on it, but to me, it didn't seem like he made enough to make it worthwhile going through all that angst. But I right. appreciate sure, appreciate him doing that because the guys back in the day had to sell the building you know, in, in the seventies or I don't even know what it was to, to pay, to pay, you know, payroll. I mean, things were yeah. tight back then. So, um, but anyway, so we got out of there. So now we've got this piano operation. Keith's still with us and we have another little storefront. So we opened up two stores. So for a while we had three in Lincoln, but two of them were very small. One of them was just pianos. And then we merged those two together to be, you um, to be the one that 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 is at now our our East Lincoln store. Uh, my goal would be, you know, I, I'm always looking at stuff. My goal would be to just have one really cool store in Lincoln, um, and mm-hmm. it's been my goal. And I think almost everybody who worked for him, for me knows um, who works for me knows that's that's what I'm
0: what I'm after eventually. Yeah, it sounds like you could build a little bit more of a destination if you go yeah. down to one location. Although I can kind of get how like you know, especially if the model is more about like a convenience, like you need strings and reads and stuff like that, you know, having little satellite stores can work, but you get to a point where it's like, you're either a satellite store or you're a real music store right. <laughs> and real music stores are expensive. <laughs>
1: yes, they are. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I, I think we're,
1: they are. And I think we've got one, one big real music store there and one that, you know, is is bigger than a satellite. And so, that's that's where the rub comes in. You know, the goal would be to buy to buy a building and, and make that into something special, like you said, because I, I am with you. I believe that you can make a destination, you know, retail store and, and put everything under one umbrella.
0: You had mentioned that, uh, you know, one of the locations or most locations were acquired through acquisition and the one you started from scratch. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny, our, our, we actually have kind of similar stories in terms of like, company history. Ours is kind of similar to that. Uh, and generally, all of our growth has been through acquisitions. And we only open one thing from scratch, which lasted about a year, and then we closed it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that means we're just not any good at opening stores. Uh, certainly opening a store from scratch is a different skill set, that's for sure. And, and, I should, and I should also say acquiring stores is a different skill set like knowing how to how to uh, deal talk with store you know store owners knowing how to uh onboard employees like that's a a totally different skill set than the hustle and drive it takes to open a store from scratch
1: tell me about some of your
0: experience with both of those
1: well we i've bought several stores but they've they've all been uh you know, from older gentlemen, you know, that, that were ready to retire. So I bought a sheet music store. That was, that was a funny story in itself. So this would have been always before I was even a partner. And, uh, you know, I went in and I was talking to Keith and, you know, Keith was a real black and white guy, you know, he's like, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you sell more piano books? I said, well, there's a, there's a sheet music store four doors down from us. And then all the piano teachers go there. And sometimes they filter into our store, you know, and, he said, mm-hmm. well, so what are you saying? I said, well, we don't really carry piano books because they do. And we kind of have this, you know, we signed a thing saying that like businesses and all of that in the mall and we'll go buy them out. Oh, okay. Why didn't I think of that? I don't, <laughs> sure. Go buy them out. So, all right, let's go buy them out. So I went down there and yeah, you, know, you got these guys that you come to know and they're like, um, I was like, go down there and hang around and be like, hey guys, how's it going? They're like, good, good, good. How are you? And I'm like, good. You guys are old. You guys <laughs> ever think about retiring or anything? Or, you know, I'm just asking for a friend or, was That really awkward. <laughs> and then right. I come to find out the guy that owns the store wanted to, wanted to leave, but he had another old guy that worked for him. And I was like, you know, and he's like, well, you have to, you, you can buy the store. We'll sell you the inventory and the fixtures and everything. We'll make you a good deal, but, but you got to take old Fred with you. And I'm like, oh, that's almost a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I want Old Fred. He's yeah. kind of cranky. Even even his customers say he's kind of cranky. So I'm I'm not sure Old Fred is is a right fit for what we do. And uh, but we wanted the sheet music business, and we bought Old Fred, and Old Fred became the assistant manager of the store and a mentor to me and everybody else around him. And you know, just judging a book by his cover, he was a grumpy old guy, but man, he was, he was an incredible uh, knowledge. It's just a wealth of yeah. knowledge of print music and that's what he did down there. So yeah, he, he stayed with us all the way until, the, until he retired and there were tears when he retired. I mean, yeah. it's funny how all that worked that's out awesome. but so so we, we, we did that. We bought Hal Snyder music and I was barely involved in that in 94. That was the store that we came to Omaha for. Hal also became a mentor. Coming into the store and and showing me how I don't know how to use a, an old fashioned flute wire, um, things like that. <laughs> so, um, um, but the organic startup was was interesting because we it was a new little strip mall, and so I remember my wife and I came to Omaha for dinner, and she said I want to see where the store is, and it was a hill of dirt when we originally moved in. It was just it was just, and you know uh, we we hung in there for for 17 years. We had more turnover in that store than any other store that we have as far as management and people and everything else. And, and, um, so we finally were bringing people into the Omaha store and then the the new vice president of the company, um, that, that has worked with, he's been here for 23 years. He's, we've grown up in this thing together and he's been my right hand the entire time I've been, uh, since he, since he came, um, you know, we had them start training with him and, and, uh, so, the, we send a guy down there, you know, we're like, you know, we think you'd be a good fit to go down there. So, eventually, he becomes a store manager, and that store just took off like a rocket now. So, you just didn't hang in there long enough. 17 years is how long it takes, evidently.
0: Yeah, I don't think I had it in me to wait. <laughs> uh, it's funny. We had the same problems. Like, we had just turnover left and right, and 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 our idea for that was going to be a small satellite store. And uh and, but it was about 40 minutes away from our next location, and we, we would have grabbed it out and made it work, but the whole model on that was based on rentals. And despite multiple conversations with the school district, once we opened the store, we find, found out the school district basically provided free instruments to all band oh, students in middle yeah. school and possibly even high school. And in spite of all of our conversations with them, they never mentioned that. And I had never seen that before. So I didn't think to ask it. And uh, yeah, so I think in the end, like we will probably end up breaking even on that thing over time, but it was a headache and, and certainly a, a failure. And it made me realize like, you know, I, I was too cavalier about thinking that like, well, you know, we're, accomplished retailers I can certainly open up a 1200 square foot store and mm-hmm. pull this thing off and I did all this legwork, and I, I did a you know I did a good job on almost all of the the you know the preemptive stuff but there's a whole different strategy in hiring and managing and training and, and there's trying to build that culture and knowledge base and everything else with people that are just walking into your company who don't know your company at all is a is a, a skill set that I haven't developed and frankly, not sure that I want to. <laughs> you know, with,
1: with us, we kept hiring other people's, you know, other people's employees. They come from us from other stores. Well, they bring along with them, you know, some baggage as well. You know, first yep. you you either have the, you know, I don't do it well because I wasn't shown correctly or you have the, this is the way we should do it, even though it's not, you know, your idea. Isn't this is what we did at We did not have the store anymore. I mean, I had to tell him, we're like a six or six music store. Like great guy. I had to tell him, I to say, you know, uh, you're, we're your sixth store. Yeah, I've got a long history in this. How many of them are still around? That would be zero. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have to do it my way for right now because this seems to be okay for right now. But you got to keep that plan changing, too, and yeah. keep people buying into your plan.
0: Well, you do. And that can be, if you're not there, like this store for us was four hours away from, from uh, oh, home man. for me. And, um, that was, uh, just creating a lot of difficulties as well. And it just, and, and then, you know, the closest store that was close to it, like a Mitch was 40 minutes away. was also the store that kind of had like our newest people in it as well. And so there wasn't like a great way to get those folks really onboarded and trained, um, and like I said, just kind of a failure on our on our part. So, um, so you mentioned like most of them came through acquisition. Tell me why you like acquisition.
1: Well, for one, you know, if it's if it's a proper acquisition, then you you have already you have a um, you know a, a traffic pattern there, and and you'll have good and bad with that traffic pattern because you know, the guy we originally bought the Omaha store from, he never took credit cards um, in 1994. Oh God! <laughs> no, I, I hate credit cards. You know, everything is either cash or bad check. I mean, cash or check. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so, you know, that was a transition for some of his customers, you know, to come in and all of a sudden, you know, we put in a cash register, just one of those old Sanyo cash registers back in the day in 94. And he he was just looking at it shaking his head cuz you know he was like he had a little lock box that he used and and um yeah i can't you know can't believe you guys keep track of this stuff and and things like that so um yeah it was uh it was very uh very interesting um uh acquisition but you know it it gave us a, a chance to win new customers as well as keep the old customers and again you have that name you have that traffic pattern and uh one thing that that you know we we did uh, was we kept his name on the store for one year um you know it was a division of Dietz music and and you know if there are more acquisitions down the road i you know i think that's important to keep that mm-hmm. history and i mean you know all about that um you want to keep that history and and um, um you know, that, that keep the name relevant in the forefront, but still, you know, you want to, you want to develop your brand at the same time. So those are, those are a little bit easier. You usually already have a storefront, even though we had to tear that thing completely out and start all over. Um, But yeah, the, uh, that seems to be, you know, if I were to do it again, I would would definitely think acquisition would be the way I would go rather than than organic, if if there was a possibility.
0: Mm Hmm yeah it just seems like there's so many benefits to that you know you you uh you know if you do do it right often you can buy into it at a very good price and you know get usually some inventory of which some of that inventory needs to be you know gone through and gotten rid of but uh and you I think you also get some benefits like you mentioned of like you're picking up a new customer base which can be nice, you get some name recognition, you know you're eliminating a competitor which can always be handy. And then I've always just liked that, like, I'm helping someone else out, you know, I'm helping someone else, you know, do go on to something else because at every pace that we've done it, obviously that those people were ready to go, you know, in uh, many cases had been ready to go for quite some time.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and sometimes you grab an employee out of that deal, you know, that, that becomes a, a shining star for you, you know, in, in yeah. the case of the, that buyout in Omaha, the original buyout, I mean, it was just Hal and his mom, and she was ninety years old. Um she stood around and cried the entire time we remodeled. I felt so bad. Um, oh, but yeah, it was really that was really tough. but um, you know, yeah, with in the case of some of the other acquisitions we've had, you know, we bring employees with them, and we're like, you know all of the other all of the other acquisitions are people that we bought and brought into our fold. Uh, wasn't necessarily right. buying their location as much as it was. We bought all their inventory. And then we brought them into into our business you know to expand our business in the in the um, locations we were already at Uh, yeah and a couple of those we've got we've gotten great guys that are still with us out of those acquisitions
0: well and if someone has the capital or the access to capital uh, or even just some create creativity there's good opportunities for that you know we've we've done a a, I think a variety of all these things you know we've acquired businesses and and have operated them I mean and of course we've (laughs) you know, I've bought businesses with such great names that I haven't even changed the names all these years later because so I'm like, oh, I don't know. And, and our misfortune is that our, our company name, Screenplay Music, I don't think makes sense in Joplin or St. Louis or Kansas City. And so at some, some point, I'd love to get that uh, squared away. But we've bought others where, you know, we've essentially just done asset purchases and incorporated their assets. We've had others where, we don't even necessarily buy some of the stuff. We just handle like maintenance of accounts for them. And there's a lot of opportunity there uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to, you know, operate their business as a going concern, but you can either get great pricing on inventory or access to students or access to rental accounts, you know, uh, just being open to it. And that's kind of my thing. Like I, you know, when, when someone reaches out to me, I'm always open to, talking about it. And I don't do all the deals that, uh, that, uh, you know, I, that get presented to me, but I, a, I want to show someone the respect, you know, of like listening to what they, what their offer is and hearing about their business. And I'm also just really fascinated by it. I mean, hell, it's why I do this podcast, right? Like I'm interested in other people's businesses and, and how things operate and work and, you know, sometimes you come across a good deal. Sometimes you have to give someone an education. You know, we, we met with someone a couple of years ago in the St. Louis area and they just had completely unrealistic expectations of what they yeah. thought their business might be worth. And I had brought our VP of finance with us who's just sharp as a tack. And like, uh, you know, we're sitting through there and like that guy, I don't know if he appreciated it, he probably didn't, but he got an education for free, you know, cause we went through and told him, here's how you value your business. Here's the parts of your business that aren't creating value for you. Like we, we gave that guy a multi-thousand dollar education all in an afternoon and uh, probably crushed his dreams as well. I think he had it in his mind that, you know, some store is going to come in and just offer him all this money for his inventory and everything else. <laughs> yeah just doesn't work that way,
1: you know. I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't uh, tell you there there are not three sets of books right here by my feet that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm like you, you know. I, I think that it's, you know, uh, and if there can be a deal, that's great. But in, in the meantime, you know, out of respect, um, you know, for, for the guys that I know that, you know, are maybe looking to make a change in career, you know, and, and they've approached me the same way. It's, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll give you and but... On that same token, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you exactly what I think, you know, and it yep. might not might not be the answer you want, but at least we
0: know what page we're on and and yep. um yeah continue from there. That's right. Um, earlier, you had mentioned you, you were talking about the line of credit. This was way back early in our conversation, and, and I we too many interesting things came up for me to ask about it. So I'm gonna circle back now. I'm thinking about it. You mentioned that you have a line of credit, or you had a line of credit back then. Do you still use a line of credit now in your business? We use a line of credit, yes,
1: absolutely, and and uh, I, I I am so tickled to tell you right now that line of credit is at zero for the first time in the history of the company.
0: Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's thank awesome. you. Yeah, we
1: have been working so, towards that for a
0: long time. So, yeah, we're we're uh, working towards that same goal as well, and uh, you know, we kind of went through that time period of not really knowing how music stores would, or store retailers use the line of credit. To kind of uncovering some of it than to abusing it, and now we're trying to, how to get rid of it. Uh, how did you guys use your line of credit? Tell me, kind of how how it was uh, how it was used at Deeds.
1: Well, it was used for everything originally, so it it didn't matter what it was. And they also used uh, floor planning, um, and they used um, uh, they used everything. I mean, they used the vendors, they used floor planning, they used the line of credit, and and so. Back then, everybody was kind of gear hungry, you know, in the company. So, they would they would go out and, and try to, you know, to see who could get their POs in first so they could get the gear um, and the bank was holding our rental contracts. So, they would pay us for our rental contracts and when the contracts would come back, you know, they would revert back to us and go on the line of credit. It was it was not smart. I mean, originally, it yeah. may have been, I don't know. I wasn't involved then but, but um, you know, um, and that came about while I was with the company but you know, again, I didn't have a say so in that matter. And, and uh, so the line of credit just became, (laughs) just became a well that we were digging and digging and digging and digging. And, and that was when finally the bank said, Hey, you know, you are not worth as much as your line of credit is. And they even told us, they said, we're kind of stuck with you because if we let you go, we're going to lose, you know, millions of dollars here. And, and so you, you can't, you, we don't think you can pay it back. So we're not gonna give you anymore. Good luck to you. See what you can do. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a, a pretty stressful time. Uh, my wife and I had just bought a house. Um, you know, one of those things where you're, you're like, oh, this is, you know, I think we can buy this house. This is, we had a starter house and bought this really nice to us house. And, and then, you know, somewhere along the line, we thought we, we, have to, we have to bail on this house. I mean, I was, I was a junior partner at that time. Um, which is what they call this. I don't like that. I don't like that term, but um, you know, limited stockholder. Um, yeah. Basically Ted and I owned a, a third of the company if we voted together um, and the other two guys owned a third apiece. And so, yeah, that was, that was a very trying time. And so we ended up taking that and moving it to two different, a note and a line of credit with our new bank. And I think even then, a lot of the guys on the, I mean, so, the banker that set us up, he he went to a different bank in Lincoln and then the new banker who I've become pretty good friends with, he's the, he's the vice president of commercial at our bank and uh, he set me down. The first meeting we ever had with him, he says, uh, this is good to meet you. I need you to know something. I said, what? He said, I voted no on you. <laughs> 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 like, oh, great. Do I need to look for another bank? And he goes, no, I'm only telling you that because things are great now, you know, this was... We were still pretty, you know, we, we had a, the, the line under a million dollars at that point. But, I mean, that that came with a lot of stress because we were trying to pay wow. off a note and pay off a line of credit. And then we had a partner retire. We were paying him, you know. And so, it was it was a vicious circle of, of what do we do to keep this going? But, you know, it was a matter of looking at things, using our point of sale system better um, and making that, you know, work for us a little harder, which I feel like we've, in in the last three or four months, we've done even more with that, making, you know, the system is the only as good. And there's no good point of sale system as far as I'm concerned, but it is only no. as good as you make it and what you learn about it. So, we have a couple people really digging in to try to make things better. And um, yeah, so it was, <laughs> since 2000, 2007, um, 2006, we wrote the business plan. So, we would have started then in 2006. It, it only took us 14 years to get rid of that
0: one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so what did was, you do to, to get rid of it? Like any? any oh,
1: we yeah, nothing special. Just stop being stupid. I mean, that sounds uh, so easy, hard. but it's true. Yeah, it is hard because no, yeah, sounds hard. <laughs> I mean, you, you and I've been on buying trips together. We know how hard that yeah, is. <laughs> it is. It's like it's very oh, hard. Cus, custom shop strat strats plural. Oh, I'll take. Wait, I can get eight of them. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> Yeah, are, do you have eight customers for that? No, I've got one customer. Why are you buying eight custom shop strats? Because they're cool. You know, they're so, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, that it was it was a matter of kind of trying to control that. Look at budgeting um, and actually look at it realistically. Um, looking at product classes and see where we actually we cut a whole bunch of stuff out. Um, we cut a lot of stuff out that was simply slow moving. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and and. And, and you can appreciate this as well, the response was always from the staff is like, well, what if we have a teacher coming in looking for that? Like, well, right. no place in the world is carrying that, you know? Right. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry, we don't need number five bass clarinet reads. We don't need 10 boxes of them, you know, things right. like that. Um, yeah. So, everything we had to look at, we had to be realistic about and get our minimum quantities in order and, and all of that helped. And then just doing a better job on the rental side, um, you know, making sure that, you know, that thing can go on autopilot too, um, where, you know, a lot of school uh, um, uh, music retailers will will just put it on autopilot and say, well, that business is always going to be there. Well, you know, we've got some pretty fierce competitors up this way and, and we've had to learn to, you know, to be proactive and, and change things. So, there were several things that I changed, um, you know, that, that were hard for us to change, um, you know, in our rental agreement. And and. You know, I just said, somebody's got to change this. This is stupid what we're doing. So, somebody's mm-hmm. got to change it. So, I'm going to be the one to change it. And then we'll see what happens. You know, and then you find out your competition, they change too because they're not making anything on it either. They're struggling right. with the same thing you are. So, it's, once in a while, you just have to be the guy that says, okay, I'm sorry. You know, we're going to switch the program to this. So, you're not going to get these things for free anymore because we just simply can't do that. Right. You know, and, and those, those were tough changes, but, but had to be made. So all of those, there's just a myriad of changes that we made all at once, uh, trying to keep, you know, we were finding out we were paying too much for insurance. We were finding out that, you know, um, there were nonproductive employees that were, you know, making way too much money or, um, you know, there were things happening with trade-ins that shouldn't have been happening, um, you know, and, and, and trying to put all those things together and say, okay, let's be smart about every facet of our business that we can, be smart about. And mm-hmm. that ended up paying off. So, you know, but now we're in the middle of another crisis that we've never seen before, you know. So,
0: interesting how we'll come And hey, what's that? The I, I have no idea. You really? have no I idea. haven't you heard affected, it? No, it hasn't affected me at all. There's a virus <laughs> out
1: there, Donovan.
0: I don't know That's whether shit, you've heard really? it or not.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just never left my house in the first place, or pay attention to what's going on. So I had no Good idea. for you. That would be the way to. That'd
1: be our best way to do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I've already been a hermit. I don't know the difference. So. Oh my gosh! So you've got your line of credit paid off, which is a huge accomplishment. Congratulations! How do you handle? purchasing your rental inventory. So, you know, for those, I think anyone who's going to care about the answers questions, you know, in the band rental business probably. Uh, and you know that most, almost all of our manufacturers offer fall dating, which is uh, three equal payments starting October, November, December. But so many times it can be hard to pay for your band instruments during that time period, because, you know, you got the inventory in March and then you got your first payment in September and then you've got to, you know, you've got to pay off this $400 uh, wholesale cost trumpet uh, but you've only received 30 or $60 in rental income, assuming that they pay it, of course. And uh, and that can be difficult. So, do you guys just like cash flow it out of the October, November, December? Or do you seek some extended financing?
1: I'll let you know because we have never been <laughs> in this position before. So, So, more than likely, you know, I keep that line of credit anyway. So more than likely, you know, just because I said it was paid off doesn't mean it's going to stay paid off. I mean, a line of credit is very valuable for that situation. So what we've always done in the past up until uh, this uh, coronavirus, which you've never heard of, um, up until until this time, uh, you know, we would take quick pay on that on our band instruments and put them on the line of credit because the interest rate was actually better and the quick pay made us more profitable. Uh, This year, I threw it down the road this year. Um, because, because of everything going on. I said, you know what? We're going to need our money right now um, because that was before uh, we got a PPP loan and that was before we got it. So I wasn't really sure what was going to happen with that. And so I said, my goal is to, um, uh, to keep everyone employed, period. So mm-hmm. if that means digging into the line of credit again or whatever, we're going we're gonna to take care of as many people as we can. We're going to keep people working if we can. Uh, fortunately for our state, we never had to close. Um, and, oh wow! And yeah, and I did not make a big deal out of that because there's a lot of people who thought we should have. Um, yeah. And and so we just kind of flew under the radar and and said, okay, we're going to stay here. We're going to be limited. Uh, we have curbside pickup like everybody else. We have you know guys on the floor wearing masks. Um, you know, and and you they I give them the choice. I bought more cleaning stuff. Than, than I ever have in my life. Um, I resorted to making my own hand sanitizer. Um, I have uh, over on my counter over there I've got probably 20 bottles of stuff, aloe gel, isopropyl alcohol, every hand sanitizer I could find. Um, you know, we're, we're so we, we, stayed, we stayed open and we were just very cautious.
0: Um, I was doing the same thing with, with alcohol but I was buying a different kind of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: If this thing keeps going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll down your way. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so in the
0: past, then you you would buy your rental inventory and you'd put it on the line of credit uh, mm-hmm. and you would take the early pay. Would you term out that rental inventory or would it just stay on the unsecured, untermed line of credit?
1: It, it's It's a great question. So the bank would always want us to term it out. And, and the guy that I was telling you about, the, the vice president of commercial at our bank, he would always say, you know, you guys need to, you guys need to do a term loan. And I would point out to him every year, I'd say, he goes, we had term up part of the line of credit. I'd say, why? Are, am I gonna get a, a, better, a better interest rate? He said, well, no, not, not, maybe a little but not too much. And I go, well, but we're paying the line of credit off. Right? And he's like, yeah, you're actually doing really well. And I'm like, well then why do I wanna term it out? And we're going to have it paid off. And now we're to that point. But, uh, you know, I think there's good and bad to both. I mean, I like having mm-hmm. a sweep on the line of credit because then if you do a sweep account, anything that you have in cash goes right over to the line. So you're not paying interest on it. Um, so, you know, anything above a certain amount, I think in our case, it's $25,000 and anything rolls right over onto that line of credit. And and it's 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 a continual sweep. And I think that that's the smart way to do it. There's probably people out there that are doing a lot smarter than that, but that's your work for me. Um, I didn't even know what a sweep account was when we started this. Um, you know, I've had to. You know, my my fabulous twelfth grade education is just now starting to kick in, evidently. But uh, <laughs> you know, I had to uh, I had to learn about all that, and my banker brought it up in a meeting. He said, "Well, if you know, if you have a sweep account, that'll that'll roll over, and then you won't pay interest on it." And I said, "Wait a minute, what did you say? What's a sweep account?" And he looks at me he, and he goes,
0: "Explain what that is." Okay, so explain a sweep account. So I'm what sure there's it is a lot is, of people that don't know
1: what it is. Absolutely no, and 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 uh, so what it is is it's it's in your checking account where you do all of your business. If you have a line of credit, set that thing up so that they go back and forth. So the handshake, um, where if I get over twenty five thousand in my checking account, it automatically goes on the line of credit, and they process it every day. Anything over there kicks off onto the line of credit. And then if I need it back, it automatically switches back and goes back onto the line. But the beauty of it is, so say you had a great rental month and, and you have, you know, all of a sudden you have $75,000 or whatever it is. Maybe you make some big sales. You have $75,000 in your, in your checking account and you have 300000 on your line of credit. 50 of that goes over to your line of credit. You're not paying interest on that until you need it again. That interest is, is, is calculated all the time. So if you're not paying interest on it, you're actually saving money. And even my 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 accountant was like, "Well, you know, I, I'm not sure we'll see how this works." And he came to me and he said, "Okay, month one, we saved eighteen hundred dollars just wow. because of the stupid sweep account." Yeah, because it's not it's not paying interest on stuff that you you have just sitting in your checking account anyway. You might as well just throw it over on your on your line and let it and let it you know not have to pay interest on
0: it basically. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Let's. I think that I'll, I'll I've. Heard of a sweep account. We don't use it, but uh, that may be something kind of worth looking into. You mentioned yes. too about a point of sale and, and or, you know, accurately called a POS, I think. Uh, Absolutely. For our industry. <laughs> and uh, that's never been a more perfect acronym, I think. Um, no. And how there just isn't really a great solution. You know, even the, whatever solution you think is the best, it's like, that's eh, the best, but there's a lot of things about it that really suck. And uh, so uh, what... Uh, what have you, are you switching uh, point-of-sale providers? Tell me what you're doing there and we can throw people under the bus here where this is, this is totally fine. We're not sponsored by any of those folks, so.
1: Okay, great, great. So, so, we have been on Tyler Retail Systems since 1996. Okay. And, uh, and you know, they, they have done a few things to, uh, Tyler is a really deep, deep system. You know, they would do payroll, um, and we still use it for payroll, which is one of the sticking points of switching. Um, and and their, their, uh, their accounting end of it is really great. Uh, but it's all, even a lot of it still is DOS based. Um, they're switching over to GUI screens now because, you know, now it's the year 2000, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so, but I've learned to fly around on it. So you know, they switch to a GUI screen and I'm like, I don't want to use the mouse. Everything to me is a key command, man. They switched to GUI PO, it slowed me down so bad for the first month. Guys are like, hey, do you have the POs done? I'm like, no, no. Give me about four more days. So, um, but you know, they they have been, Tyler Retail Systems was not my choice. Um, That was Ted's choice. It saved our business. That was another thing we did in 96. Even though we dug that hole all the way to 2006, we were able to look at things and understand what what was happening so they really yeah. did you know they really did give us an opportunity to really look at what was profitable and what wasn't and uh you know and and that would be the same i'm sure with any system um and we of course we've been looking at going to the amezy system i've been i i've got a server laying under my desk right here with the software loaded on it that i refuse to put up um and <laughs> you talked about inventory so you, you can appreciate this how are we going to migrate that data? That's yeah, that's a colossal problem, you know, and, and yeah. I don't think Amesie has the best support. I call no. them up and I'm like, do you guys have anybody that can come? No, we don't do that. I'm like, really? I can fly somebody here from Tyler Retail Systems. I did two years ago. And she spent three days with my team. We learned things about that software we never knew it could do. And she she had the point, she telling me, she said, well, it's been able to do that since 1994. You've had it since 96, (laughs) you don't know how to use it. I'm like, no, I've never been shown that in my life. That is awesome, like a light bulb going off. So, you know, we talked to Amesie and we're like, okay, we'd like to get set up. And they sent me a a price and I'm like, yeah, okay, we can probably do that. We we know we need to switch. We think that their rental software is better because our rental software is a custom package that we had built for us. Um, But I do know another music store that's using Tyler Retail and they looked at switching and they stayed with Tyler. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at this point, I, I'm in a quandary of, of do we just try to learn what we have better and have more stuff written proprietary for us on this system or do we pull the plug and, and, and go with the AIMZ system and, and maybe get less than stellar support but I have a ton of friends who use AIMZ and are really mm-hmm. good at it, you know, who can help. And the other cool thing about the Tyler Net is I don't have a server. so it it all pings to a server in Florida and they have two backup servers in other states. So when the hurricanes hit Florida, they just switch it to a different server. We never miss a beat. So I don't have right. to worry about any of the licensing, any of the server care, any of that. It's it's all taken care of by them. And and there's a value to that. So it's a monthly it's a monthly fee. And looking at monthly fees, I think if we switch to AMC, I think our monthly fee for some of those things are gonna be more than what we pay for Tyler.
0: So, well, especially when you consider support, because like with AMZ, I mean, we've been on AIMZ since, uh, I think, 80, uh, 89 or 91, something like that, and uh, we're on their premium support and have been this entire time. I mean, you've got, you know, 30 years or more of, of using the software, and we still have to pay, we pay to be on their monthly premium support, and you're right, the quality varies wildly, and... Uh, you know, I don't love the company. I think there's a lot of issues with it. I still think it's the best solution for what we need. Um, mm-hmm. and I do love, like you had mentioned earlier, about the fact that you could get timely financials, how that saved your business. You know, I love that I could right now pull up a balance sheet and income statement and know as of this moment where we stand in our company. And but with all of those features creates a lot of complications. And mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of the stuff that is through Amz is is not very good and it's very cumbersome, Um, but it's super powerful. And you're right; like there are thousands of people that use it. There's a great knowledge base of just the users. And what's sad is Amz used to have this great web forum where you know users would ask questions and often often answer each other's questions, and it was so useful they got rid of it. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) I wish they had something. yeah. Maybe I should start something like that again uh, with, you know, with all the other projects that I'm doing. And, um, but yeah. I, and, and then you look at some of the other uh, offerings like the rain song and some of those companies, there's some, they're, they're all you know, like rain song in particular is doing some very cool things, but it's not full, you know, feature rich enough to meet our needs. You know, now,
1: rain, rain is not ready for prime time yet. Although I think yes. they will
0: be. They have, oh, yeah, I, I looked at them, Sorry. yeah, you were yeah, thinking of the guitar that. but that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: They, uh, they, I, I, I had meetings with them and, and and what really turned me off to them is, is you know, I still think one of the, one of my favorite things that I do is go out to the floor and sell and interact with people and, and I talked to this guy and, and, and I said, well, it doesn't have these features so I don't think it's gonna work for us. You know what the next email said? So, you don't want your business to go up 21%? <laughs> and I read the email and I was like, this is comical. So, so right. I, I emailed him back and I go, explain to me how that works. And he's like, well, you know, our web interaction and integration, you're, you know, we uh, and, he, and he had a little dealer that he used as an example. Their business went up 21%. I said, so, you think mine's going to go up 21%? You don't even know what I do or how much I do. And, yeah. and so… Um, yeah. I was, I was really, you know, and the next time they reached out, they said, well, you, you, know, you, you had dialogue with us. What happened? I said, poor salesmanship on your side. Yeah. The guy was a jerk. Yeah. So, yeah. immediately I'm like, nah, you're ruled out forever in my mind. I mean, you, yeah. you know, somewhere along the line, there has to be some sort of customer service and there has to be some salesmanship, you know, an explanation yep. and handholding because this is a big decision. You know, I shut my store down for two days to count everything in the store and entered in a new point of sale it's a big decision,
0: so. It is. And yeah, all the retraining that goes on with it. and oh, Yeah, it's it's been kind of a nightmare. I'm surprised that you're not using ANZ. I mean, they're in Iowa. You guys are neighbors, basically. I would have assumed. We don't that like Iowa, no. We're, you know, <laughs> that river is I mean, nobody likes nobody. Iowa, but, you
1: know. <laughs> no, there's a, there's, a, you know, a, a very, very, very dear friend that uh, is in Iowa and invited my team up to look at his store. Um, and we hung out with them all day. They were so they were so much fun. We've been friends for a long time. But but uh, he he took us through the AMC system, and um, you know they were they were so helpful. And and he kind of came to the same conclusion that that most people on AMC come to is that the rental part of that is is really cool. Um, you know that's his strength. You know, and we showed him our system a little bit, and he was like, oh yeah, that's that's also got some strengths as well. It's just not the rental end of it. So, mm-hmm. w- when you're in the rental game, and that, that becomes a very important piece of the puzzle.
0: Um, so, yeah, and repair. I think mean, the repair module is pretty strong. Yeah. The lesson module is serviceable. Uh, inventory tracking, you know, it's all incorporated into it, which is yeah. nice. And, you know, a salesperson sells a widget on the sales floor. It immediately updates all your financials and everything else. Like, you know, that integration, again, is, is what makes it complicated, but it's also what makes it so powerful. And um, I just wish they would uh, bring in, you know, some graphical, uh, like some, you know, GUI designers because, you know, they released this new version 12, which you know they've kind of really touted it's you know a new database and all this other stuff, and somehow the program is both slower and uglier than what it was before, and you just sort of scratch your heads like this thing was already pretty slow and ugly, and now after years and years of work on, on their engineering team. They somehow, you know, out of some miracle, found a way to make it even uglier and even slower, uh, yet more powerful though. And uh, but I, I guess you can't have beauty, speed, and power all together. I'm living proof of that, you know. So there <laughs> you go, baby. You mentioned that you have a board of directors. Uh, tell me, I think that's kind of unusual for a company, you know, with the. I don't know your revenue number, but with the number of employees, like I think most of us hear board of directors and we think like, you know, big, big company or whatever. Who are the people on your board of directors and what value do you see in that?
1: So, um, we've always had a board of directors since way back. Um, you know, it's in the company meeting. So that's just always been something we've kept even when it was one store doing, you know, 600,000 a year. Um, and uh, so on my board of directors, there's just three of us. So it's me and the, uh, the company vice president, James, um, um, and then um, our accountant, Dave. So it's basically president, vice president, and Dave's official title by the state of Nebraska is secretary treasurer. So everybody, um, we don't do necessarily organized board meetings because it's so small. Once in a while, we'll all get together, but um, pretty much everybody, you know, has, has a role that they fulfill, you know, so Dave would handle all, everything that handles that's under HR or tax-related questions or, or accounts payable, that's all him. Uh, he takes care of that. And then James handles, basically, he's been great at this. If I say we're going to do something, James writes it up and makes it sound good and puts it on our, our, our company internet. And, and make sure everybody knows about it. He's a great communicator. And, and I'm an idea guy. I'm not a great communicator sometimes. I've had to learn to be a better communicator. I've reached out to the staff once a week ever since the pandemic um, and, and a couple of times twice a week um, to everybody that had, a, had a, a corporate email address and said, here's what I'm thinking. And so I learned to do that. And it was amazing. The response that I got from people was like, they were like, hey, you know, that's amazing we appreciate it so much because we're scared. We don't know what's going on. So, mm-hmm. to hear from you, you taking the time to write out three or four paragraphs of your thoughts means the world to us. And so, yeah. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that would make that big of a difference. But so, as the board, we try to just, you know, keep that line of communication going. That's more what it's about than anything. So, Dave and I would be the guys deep into the finance. Um, James would be in as the vice president would be the operations guy of the of the entire company, which he was doing before he was vice
0: president, so. Well, I think that's, that could be something really useful. You just mentioned that made me think, like, well, that could be something that could be handy to look into, so. Yeah, you just get a, a couple
1: other sets of eyes on things, and, and um, you know, again, it, we're, as humans, we're all wired a little bit different, and so somebody may see something that I don't see, and, and I appreciate the fact that that's pointed out to me so we can make an intelligent decision on it.
0: So let's, let's talk a little bit about like uh, our, our industry here. Tell me about some of the things that you think are are right about our industry. Well,
1: I think, you know, for one, um, I think we're a lot more forward thinking, especially than we used to be. Um, so I've enjoyed that. Um, I also think our industry is, is pretty close, close net. So, you know, you get to know people and, you know, um, I think that there's a lot, especially for independent music stores, there's a lot of camaraderie that, that there didn't used to be. I mean, I think we've headed that way in the last 15 years um, and uh, um, a lot of knowledge, you know, and, and one of my favorite parts about our industry is, is as an independent music store, we're always underrated. Um, by our competition, by our big box competition, they always think we're a bunch of hillbillies and, and, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, hayseeds that don't know anything about anything. We can't talk intelligently about, you know, point of sale systems or, or ledgers or any of that. And, and then they, well, they're, not you know- <laughs> they're not entirely wrong.
0: They're not entirely wrong. <laughs> no,
1: no, there's some truth to that as well. But I think kind of that, that, uh, that hillbilly aspect makes us a special group of people. That's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. You know, and, and then, you know, and they, and they do bring in big brass that know more about that stuff than, than, um, than I ever will. But I think one thing that I really enjoy about, you know, and, and again, I can only speak to that in our industry to the independent side of things is our heart uh, for the most part and our fight. Um, those are things that, that I feel like everybody, you know, for the most part is ready to, the people who are in it for the long haul are more concerned about, you know, their stores and their companies than they are about, you know, um, um, anything else. And we go through these things. So I do enjoy, I do enjoy that part of it. Um, and I think that NAM has changed so much, um, as an organization, um, since I've been involved, um. No secret that I, you know, I've said in interviews before that that I wouldn't do what I I do if it wasn't for Nam. I didn't have the opportunity to go to college. Um, I got into this as a young musician. Um, my first Nam show was all about partying, um, and and since then, you know, um, a, a lot of what I learned came from early seminars when they would have these great speakers like Tom Winninger, world-renowned sales trainer. You know, come and do session, and I remember just sitting there and going oh my gosh, we don't know anything. We don't do anything right, you know? And yeah. so I love the fact that it's, you know, it's, it's been um, a growth experience. Um, and, and as far as our industry goes, you know, the whole music thing, that's a whole separate thing. Um, the love of music and what that means to us each individually and collectively, that's huge. I can't imagine doing anything else. So I love, I still love this industry for that fact. People always ask me, what's your favorite part? I say, "Going to a school rental night and watching that kid's face light up when, when they get their first instrument. I love yeah. that part of it. And the questions that they have. And, and, and I just absolutely still love that. Um, you know, they're, they're so excited to play an instrument. You know, and some of those kids go on and they grow up hanging around your store. And, you know, in, in our case, go on to be, you know, some of them go on to be quite big musical successes. And we live vicariously through them now. Um, as yep. they travel the world, you know, and you're like, "Oh, wow, that's really cool." I, I saw on your your Instagram that you know you're playing a soccer stadium in Brazil. How cool for you? You know, of course, that's long yeah. for now, but yeah. Right. So I, I love the industry for that. The, the heart of it, both in the playing and and as as a music retailer.
0: You know, one of my favorite things about our industry, of course, is the camaraderie in it. And uh, I don't know how many times I've retold the story of how we met. Uh, but can you, and I, you've told it to me again, but will you, so we have it on record here. Tell us how your first uh, remembrance of of meeting me and how that came about. (laughs) Well,
1: if, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we, uh, I, I remember exactly where we met and you reached out to me. I was going down the escalator at Summer Nam in the old convention center.
0: Yeah, Nashville.
1: Yep. Yep, and I was quoted in a, in a, in a magazine about selling low margin keyboards, and you stopped me and asked me, "Hey, I read that article. Tell me again about this keyboard thing." And and it was all about gross margin return on investment. Uh, it was about generally is what we we, yeah. we talked about. And I remember yeah, I leaving there thinking, "Yeah, yeah." And I remember leaving there thinking, well, "That guy just asked me a great question. I wonder if I answered it well because <laughs> we were just talking about how how." You know, we added more keyboards to our lineup when Mars Music came. Um and that dates us both right there. But uh yeah. yeah, and and you were saying, well, you said you added these things. Tell me more about this. I mean, these keyboards don't have any margin in them. How does that work? You know, and we talked about, you know, faster moving product and and but I, I definitely remember it was in Nashville at the summer summer trade show. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny, we were talking this winter at the winter show and you were saying that uh it was the first time any like a stranger had basically just like introduced themselves and like you know (laughs) kind of reached out to build that connection and you know here it is so funny because that was probably god what was that uh 12 15 years ago maybe yeah probably 15 yeah 12 or 15 and you know we've been uh you know we've known each other ever since and and see each other usually at least once or twice a year and, and reach out occasionally and stuff uh all from just sort of like taking that leap of faith you know it it's worth it for, for the folks in our industry. I think the people in our industry, by and large, want to help each other and want to share. And the lessons that we've learned as business owners or managers have been so hardly won. You know, I mean, we we fought so hard to get the, to attain the knowledge we have that if someone wants any of it, we will gladly give it for free. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for sure. like, oh my God, you have no idea the blood, sweat, and tears I went through to get this piece of knowledge I have now. Ah, uh, let me, let me, and I can never use it again. So let me just tell to you. So yeah, you can do absolutely. It to yeah, yeah, exactly. I would just anyone listening. If you're shy about any of that stuff or whatever, like, don't be. Just worst. I, my attitude was worst that you could say is like, who the hell are you? Leave me alone. <laughs> and that's like, a, the, but like, that's
1: one takeaway I got from you, seriously. And I told you that at winter when we we had that uh, that conversation yeah. that. You know, one of the things I appreciate about you is, is, is the fact that your willingness to go out and say, hey, I don't understand what you said here. Help me, you know, tell me about it. And, and, and now I've, you know, um, since that time, I've have, have been a little more open about that kind of stuff because you have to understand, you know, that if you don't know something, there are people out there that know it that would be willing to help you, you know, yep. especially as independent, independent music retailer, we're all in this together. So, yeah. you know, we, you're absolutely right in the fact that I want to share what knowledge I can, um, you know, and if that helps somebody, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes, you know, when you have, you've had the, uh, the success that, that we've been fortunate to have, people just sort of assumed you you've got it all figured out. And, you know, usually <laughs> if they'll spend more than a few minutes with me, I quickly disabuse them of that notion. And do, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff I figured out, but there's a lot of stuff I haven't, and I try to be pretty transparent about that because you're right, Like you never know you know, talking about an issue you're having in your business where someone might say, oh my gosh, I've, I've dealt with that. Like you've, right. you've got an issue with paying down a, a line of credit or whatever. We use this thing called the sweep account, let me tell you about it. Like, so just being open and transparent sometimes and if nothing else, misery loves company. So <laughs> probably even if they don't have a solution for you, they can just sit there and complain about it with you. So that can be really nice as well. So that's what we like about the industry. Tell me about some things that you think are wrong with our industry.
1: Well, one of the things that I feel is is sometimes, you know, we're a little too quick to fold up
0: and, and give up. Um, you know, and, <laughs> like closing a new store after one year. <laughs> that <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. No, no. I wasn't thinking of you at all. You've done some great things. I, I don't know that it's a smart thing to hold on to that store for seventeen years. I mean, it's finally become a successful store, but it that's that's a long time. Uh, that, yeah. that store that store would be in high school now. Um, you know, I <laughs> I think I think that that sometimes we're real quick to to you know to make snap judgment on, on things. And, you know, I've read articles by people who I'm like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. So sometimes I think as an industry, we can be close-minded on, on, you know, profitability and, and things like that. Um, you know, I don't see it quite as much as I used to because, uh, you know, the, a lot of people have, that have had that mindset are simply gone now. Uh, this is not, this is not an industry for the faint of heart or, or somebody who doesn't want to put in a lot of work as, as you're well aware of. We don't, I mean, you know, as, as the president or owner of a music store, you're on call 24-7. Um, mm-hmm. There's always something going wrong now that we all have uh, websites and things like that. There's always something to do. So, uh, sometimes I don't like that, you know, the, the little guy, woe is me because I can't do what, you know, these box stores do or I can't do what Donovan does because he's got stores, you know, or, you know, I, I, I don't like that. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, what can I do? guy than I
0: am a what-can't-I-do guy. And easily compare yourself to other people. I, right now yeah. I'm, I'm listening to one of my favorite podcasts is uh, a show called Business Wars, and anyone who hasn't listened to it should totally listen to it. It's great. And right now I'm listening to the series about Amazon and Walmart, and that's whole, like, the battle they've been in over all these years. And I listen to just the aggressiveness that both, the, both of those companies had and just this desire to just completely outdo each other. And I just think, you know, I just don't have that level of like cutthroat, you know, I want to eliminate all competitors no matter what, at, no matter what cost. Like, uh, you know, my, I've got a healthy amount of ego in the business, but not to that point. And, you know what my uh, take is on that? My take on that
1: is, is, is you know, because I, I agree with you 100%. If, if, and I've said this before, if we spent as much time worrying about every customer that came in our store as we did worrying about what our competition is doing, we would be so stinking busy trying to help all the people who wanted to come see you that we wouldn't have any time to
0: worry about the competition. Yeah, that's, that's wisdom right there. And, you know, finally, a couple of years ago, I stopped following like all my local competitors, all of the national competitors on, on social media and whatever. Because I just found that by doing that, it was just making me feel really bitter and instead, it's like, you know, I want to focus on my people. I want to focus on my customers. I want to focus on my business. And, like, th- that's enough. And there's times where I feel like I, I need to be a little more aggressive like I was when I was younger. And I'm there. there's probably some truth to that. But I also, you know, enjoy, ha- like, I've got someone who they're closing their business today. It's been a, com- or this, this month, it's been a competitor for a long time. And, um, you know, with, with her deciding to close it you know, she wants to work with me to, to have me help her with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a, a, a good reputation in our industry, I think, and people know me and, and like me. And I think it's because like, I'm not out, I'm out to help people. I'm out to help my customers. I'm out to help, you know, other businesses, I'm not out to kill anybody. And, right. um, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes that can be difficult because it can be difficult to be aggressive without like being like, dangerously aggressive, you know, yeah. or, but no, I totally, okay. I agree with you. That's great. Uh, yeah. All, every, so take away from all that really is everyone put all your, your passion energy and focusing on your employees and your customers. You do that and, and, and give your customers what they want and give employees what they want. You'll have a good business. There's no doubt about it. So tell me where you see, what's, what's the future look like for Deet's music? Tell me what you, uh, tell me what you think the next year is going to look like put your prognostication hat on and what do you think one year from now looks like?
1: Well, you know, my, my desire is that, you know, we keep moving in the direction we're in. We have really solidified our team. um, And, and I have created groups that, you know, I have a creative team. I have a web team. um, I have, uh, you know, the board of directors, which is very small. um, And, and, you know, a great management team as well. And, and so I, I see us, you know, growing together and and compiling our ideas, um, which I, I'm a big proponent of, um, getting together and talking in groups. And, and that way you weed out all the bad ideas. I don't want to march to my staff and say, we're going to do this without, you know, including them on the decision, because maybe, maybe it's a dumb idea. I mean, we've had that in the past where we've went forward with ideas and, and they weren't good ideas. And you know what, that ha- what happens is the staff starts to grumble and and everybody's laughing because, you, you know, it was a dumb idea, but but because you're proud and you march forward with it, you know, they, they don't buy into it. So mm-hmm. I, I see us, you know, hopefully as as continuing to keep that, that line of credit at a zero as much as we can and, you know, deal with what we're dealt with and, and be proactive with, you know, uh, Whatever the cards are that we're handed, we play those cards. Whether it's coronavirus or you know whether it's a late school startup, um, you, know, um, <laughs> you know, people come to me on the staff, my guitar staff. Have you thought about what happens if school doesn't start this year? Yeah, no, I haven't thought about that at all. Thanks. It was kind of like you with you. nope, never heard of the coronavirus. <laughs> no, that <laughs> hasn't kept me up at night at all. Not even concerned. <laughs> right. So you know, and 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 I want to continue to empower my staff. So. Um, a, a wise man told me years ago, your business is not worth anything if you have to be there every day to run it. Um, sure. I still want to have a lot of hands on, but now at the level I'm at and, and being the sole proprietor, um, you know, I have some very, very trustworthy people who work for me that, that are so loyal and, and I want to continue to, to bring them along and, and see what the next chapter of Dietz Music is. Um, at this point, you know, I, I don't know um uh Shelly and I don't have children so there's not but I have I have several people in the in the company that I believe can rise up and and you know become become the next generation of Deets music they already are starting to so we'll see what that looks like and that that's my goal I, I tell all my young guys I say you know by the time you know you got about four years I, when I'm 62 I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of you know Might might go down to three days a week instead of you know five. I'll still be on call all the time, but actually work out of the home office. We'll see what that looks like. We'll see if I can even do that. My wife tells me there's no way you're going to do that, but uh, you know I'd like to. People don't they don't accept a challenge unless they're empowered to do so. So you have to empower them and then encourage them. And then if there is a mistake, you have to just point it out, but in a loving way. You can't go and rub their nose in it. You just have to say okay here's what I would have done and here's why. Now, let's see if my way made sense or your way made sense, you know, and then they understand yeah. it, own it, and they'll make the right decision next time. So, that's where I see us headed. Um, you know, that's probably longer than a year process but in in the next year, I just see us getting better at what we're doing now and finding out more about our POS and uh, trying, to get, uh, trying to get better at what we do right now. There were some major changes we had. Uh, one of those was the POS and the new phone system and and, you know, I just put it all on hold because my people are way more important than that. People are yeah. way more important than stuff. So we changed a lot of things to make sure that, you know, we could keep everybody working right now.
0: Well, and that's that's a, uh, an admirable thing to do. You know, we, we didn't. We, um, went you out couldn't. When, we you had to, had to shut down, though. You yeah, had to close. Yeah, had to you didn't have a choice. So we had you to know. lay off two-thirds of our folks. And, and uh, you know, our, our government, you know, uh, kind of classic government, they do one thing, right. They got to also screw something up. And yeah. I was impressed with, uh, you know, how quickly they, they came, uh, together with the PPP loan, which I think was a great thing. Um, but combining it with the, um, you know, increase of, uh, unemployment was not so great. Uh, it, it, you know, that hurts a lot of our workers who weren't making $900 a week, uh, working for us. But, you know, unfortunately, Uh, those folks had to make sacrifices for the good of our company. And, you know, one of the the things that we kept telling our people is like, hey, we've got to all sacrifice so that when this is over, we have a business worth coming back to. And I got to tell you, like, you know, the vast majority of our folks really bought into that and have made sacrifices. Now, some of those folks, the sacrifices ended up not being quite so bad. You know, we had people that initially when we laid them off you know, they were going to get the state maximum, which in Missouri, I think is $320 a week, which isn't very much, a huge sacrifice on their part. Uh, and then of course the federal comes through like, ah, oh, we'll give you an extra 600 bucks. And now all of a sudden they didn't end up having to sacrifice as much, but they were willing to do it up front, which is important. And you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, about this idea of, you know, this kind of inclusion and, and uh, you know, the kind of the democratization of, of running your business. It's really uh, important to, You know, get people's input and have people feel like they're part of the process, but not go all the way to the extreme of, you know, being a democracy or managing by consensus, you know, because at some point someone has to make a decision and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, I know this is what you want to do. I feel like it's the wrong thing. I've I've heard you all say it, and I understand, and I may be wrong, but but I think this is the right way, uh, and it's opposite of what you want, and so we're going to go with what I want, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And uh, I think there's importance to do that. But, but, you know, hearing people out is such an important, important process. And then the final thing is, you know, that kind of ran through my head as you were talking about it, you know, when we try to prognosticate the future, especially for right now, you know, we had a, uh, we have a, a buyer's meeting that we have a couple times a month and our folks were asking like, well, we've, you know, we've ordered conservatively in our rental instruments. What do we think the falls are going to look like? We don't have many displays booked right now. Like, do we think that this is going to open up and all this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know, but like, I know if this happens, we have to have rental inventory. Like, and if it doesn't, then we'll figure it out. Like everyone else will have to figure this out. Like, you know, if, if, if we end up buying our rental inventory and then we're not able, there's no beginning ban, well the manufacturers are going to be dealing with this everywhere and we'll figure it out together but I'd rather have that happen than like school's back on in the fall and guess who didn't order? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, well, you just, you know, just just do the best we can and and move forward. And, and that's really all you can do, you know, and just, and and, and right. That's the one nice thing about this pandemic is that it's kind of put everyone in the, unless you're Amazon or a grocery store, you know, everyone's in the same boat right now Mm -hmm. is you're doing the best you can and you don't know for sure what's going to happen next. You try to figure it out as you go along, you know, that's exactly right.
1: And we're all different, you know, like, you know, we mm -hmm. were, we were able to stay open. You couldn't most of my friends had to close too, you know, so everybody's handling this differently. And, and, you know, that's, that's, and I think that's another thing we can all take away from this. um, That we need to remember when we're talking about dealing with, you know, the camaraderie of the music industry, everybody's different in the way they're wired. Everybody has different beliefs. Um, And, and you know what, that, that, I've learned that needs to be okay, you know, and I I think sometimes we want to judge everybody or judge each other on what we had to do. Well, no, we're all just trying to do the same thing. We're trying to do what's best for our business, no matter, no matter what that is. And, and, you know, the decisions need to be respected. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're all in this together, like I
0: said, and we're all in different parts of the country. Then we're all dealing with different circumstances. Yeah, that's exactly right. So finally, I always ask this question, tell me, tell, tell me if you can send a message to the, the you from 2010, uh, what would you tell the younger you? Send a message back, knowing what you know now, what would you tell the you in 2010? Run!
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I would probably say you're gonna you're gonna have to make some tough decisions and and uh, there's gonna be a lot of angst so you know keep moving forward which you know is is and and don't stress out so much about those decisions because you know we since 2010 we've been through a lot a whole lot Mm -hmm. Um, so we went from four partners to just me in, in that time period and and so you know don't there's going to be people that don't like you, um, and you're just going to have to learn to be okay with that, and and don't lose sleep over it because you're you're doing the best you can, and you know your your bottom line is you love this company. It's 95 years old. You want to see it get handed off to another generation, so you need to make those decisions and stop worrying about what people today think about you. Um, you know, continue to do the best you can, and and and. cause there there were times in the last 10 years where I just thought, I don't know if I can deal with this stress and I usually handle that stuff pretty well, but you know, I, buying people out is not easy. Um, In some cases it's better than others, you know, and easier than others, but it's never a good conversation to have. Um, It's always a tough one. So learn to face those battles. Don't run from them is probably what I, then I might've spent part of that 10 years hiding under a blanket somewhere. (laughs)
0: I love that. Learn to face your battles, not, not hype them. I love that. You know, there, a, a, a common story is told about the difference between buffalo and, and cows uh, and an approaching storm. And I heard this once years ago and I just loved it. And, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know if this is true or not. And if it is, if it's not true, I don't want anyone to correct me because I want to operate under this misconception because <laughs> it's a great story. But, you know, when, when cattle see a storm approaching, it's alleged that they will turn away and, and run from it. And as the store inevitably, storm inevitably overtakes them, they continue to run, thus enduring the amount of time they spend actually in the storm and making it much worse. Yeah. And buffalo are reported to do the exact opposite. They see an oncoming storm, and they run through it, and uh, thus, thus you know, shortening the time they spend in that. And I think there's so many times in business we can see a storm on the horizon, and we try to outrun it, uh, or run away from it, or hide from it. And sometimes you you can do that, but most times you're better off to look at it and square up to it, and like figure out how to get through it quickly, and uh, with the least damage possible. I think you know for us, obviously, and for all of us retailers, uh, this COVID-19 pandemic was you know a tremendous storm, and some folks you know chose to try to outrun it. Uh, other folks like us decided we're going to try to run through it, you know, and, uh, but you just, you figure out what approach you're going to take and go, but never forget like running through the storm is an option. And, uh, sometimes I think we forget that, you know? So what's the message that you want to send to the U in 2030?
1: Enjoy your retirement.
0: (laughs) You know, what's oh, funny man. is, as I've done so many of these, like, uh, and it, almost everyone has the same answer for the 10 years ago, you know, chill out, don't worry about it, it's going to work out okay, hey, you should have done this sooner, those are the most common things, and it's surprising the number of folks 10 years from now, they're like, they have some vision of hopefully retiring or owning a mansion or an <laughs> island or whatever, you know. <laughs> All <laughs> you of those sound consider, good to yeah. me. It's like a Tim Spicer, Tim's like, I don't know. He's like
1: 14 year
0: old. years old yeah. Yeah and he's like <laughs> in 10 years like you know he wants to be on to something else I'm like good luck with that he's smart enough you probably be able to you know. Anyway 10 years from now what do you want to do? You want to be retired right? What, no that I, not,
1: necessarily, retired. not necessarily not um, necessarily you know if, if I had the team of guys that I have now and and I wanna I want to give them the same opportunity that they gave to me. Um, so if that involves me still being around, you know, at the age of 68, um, and, and being that person that, you know, I've already told a couple of the guys, you know, we can, we can use my resources. Um, let's figure out how to do this for your lifetime too, because it was such a gift to me, uh, to be able to do what we do. And, and, and even though that gift meant, you know, losing, losing some friends, um, you know, along the way that, that were a part of it early on that that's what happens, you know, and I'm trying to teach these guys that too. But, you know, I, I would tell the, the you know, I tell the young guys, you know, I, I'm still here for you. I still want to be here for you. Um, you know, and, and so I would tell the, the me in 10 years, you know, now you're really old. You think you're old now. Now you're really old. Um, you know, make sure you don't forget to, to continue to, to help people, you know, when you can. And don't be, don't be that old guy that shows up thinking you know everything. Um, because you there's a ton of stuff to be learned from younger people an absolute ton of stuff so you know I think that you know yes we have a lot of wisdom from being in it but there's a lot of wisdom coming up and and to be smart enough to discern you know what's going to work and what's not like like you had said earlier you know sometimes those decisions are tough because you have to say oh that's great you know but we're going to go we're going to go this way Um, and I've had to do that a few times where people aren't 100% in agreement Uh, let's face it nobody's you're never going to get your whole team hundred percent in agreement on anything as near as I can figure.
0: Well, that's a wrap for this episode. If you'd like help with your business, check out music, retail, consulting.com for articles, resources, and coaching and consulting services. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast so you're aware of future updates and rate and review while you're at it. Thanks for listening.